Welcome to Mutiny Community, the officially unofficial podcast for Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Eric. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 6, titled, And She Was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had to go look this this title up, because I had no clue after watching the episode. Mm-hmm. But apparently, And She Was is a talking head song from 1985, which I've definitely heard a lot. Uh, but I have no idea what it means. Yeah, you played it for me before the show. Uh, I am also unaware of what it means or what why that why this was called that. Okay, the, I mean but, the first line from it is, "And she was lying in the grass," which oh, I is is a literal thing that happened this episode, but I don't know what it says about Donna. Now it, it just makes me want to listen to the whole song because what if they just used the song as a framework for this episode, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, could be. Could be, yeah. but yeah, if you want to go check out the lyrics, they're out there. You can find them. Where, dude, there's no place to find lyrics easily. Well, it, it's n- not on NSFnet, I can tell you that. Not well, yet, not anyway. on a 56K connection, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> no. You need a T1 line for that shit. Definitely. <laughs> so, so what'd you think of this episode? Uh, I actually thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I have to 100% agree with you oh, i thought yeah. that i thought that this was the best episode of the season so far cool i'm i was like a little nervous after last week and i was like what are they gonna do with these final five episodes there's only a 10 episode season so right. like what are they gonna do with these final five episodes to really turn this thing around and then boom on a dime mm-hmm. donna's taking shrooms joe's <laughs> back to his old fucking you know scheming ways yep Yep. Oh God, I fucking love to. I love to see Joe backed into a corner. That is my favorite Joe. Yeah, he's, he's ready Joe to fight. backed into a corner. I love it. Um, uh, Ryan is coming into his own here. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan. got like the five o'clock shadow and the nice tailored suit. He's looking good. Got Gordon and Cameron are BFFs. I guess yeah, or they were until she moved out. I, I mean, I guess they still yeah. are, but I like them as friends. Also, the whole ham radio may not be plugged in theory is right. still in effect. Oh yeah. Stronger than still ever. Appropriate. So there's a lot to there's a lot to seek your teeth in, in into this episode. Uh, Boz got uh laid, which is good for him. <laughs> yeah, but then immediately turned it around and just yeah. destroyed it. I don't know what I don't know what's going through his head there. I don't know either. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Okay. Uh but yeah, generally a very very effective episode and all of the stuff that I love about Hall and Catch Fire. It's back in action on this one, and I'm very happy that uh, they were able to turn around because we were down last week. We were yeah. admittedly down, and this was a big turnaround for me. I The end of this episode, like they, they kept on dropping bombshells, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this has to be the end of the episode because I watch it on Amazon, so I don't like have the commercial breaks for reference of how long the show is. Uh-huh. So it's like they keep on dropping bombshells. I'm like, oh, this is the end of the episode. And I'm like, oh, wait. No, no, th- this is the end. Of- no, wait, th- this is the end of the episode. So many awesome shit things happened. Shit things. <laughs> shit things. You know. <laughs> Spe- speaking of shit things, before we get too far into this. I know. How's yes. your Tandy Shandy happening? How's, how's it going? My Tandy Shandy this week is another listener uh, submitted Tandy Shandy. Okay. Uh, this one comes to us from Michelle on the forums. She suggested a cherry Coca-Cola with a Guinness, Guinness draft. Okay. All right. I, is that 
That sounds very similar to one that I did. I think quite possibly. Okay. Um, I haven't had a Guinness in a long time, especially a Guinness in a can. And uh, it's an interesting flavor. I'm drinking the cherry Coke right now. It's actually not bad. All right. It's not bad. You know, I feel like the crux of the, the worst handy shandy ever was with Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper's just too strong and sweet. <laughs> right. I think Mountain Dew went down pretty good last week. And Cherry Coke, I feel like, is even better. Like, this combo is actually fairly solid. I think this is my favorite tandy sh- shandy so far, the Guinness uh, and the Cherry Coke. Yeah. So I'm, good on you, Michelle. I've actually had, like, a cherry ale. I think Bell's makes one, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird tasting i don't really like it but yeah when i had the guinness and the cherry i i liked it yeah it's working for me man i'm I'm actually enjoying this and the, and the sweetness is not overpowering i think probably because the guinness is actually has quite a bit of sweetness in it because it has such a full body right so it's not off-putting off-puttingly different uh what's your tandy shandy this week my friend well i went dark this week too i went with uh kentucky bourbon barrel stout mm which I, I think is a pretty good base, although uh, I was unaware that it was brewed with coffee. Oh, So uh, that may have changed the flavor and made the pairing a little gross with uh, Pepsi Cola made with real sugar vanilla. Wow. Yeah, so... That's I, a lot going on there, buddy. It's a, it's a little too much. A little mm-hmm. too many flavors in the mix there, and I got to say, I, I'm not a fan of that. That makes. I think if I had gone with just a regular straight up stout, maybe I would mm-hmm. have gotten away with it. But this coffee, I don't know about it. Well, I mean, the coffee we 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 haven't even explored the whole maybe like bottled coffee idea. Oh right, like a because a frappuccino with a with a <laughs> I don't know what would you pair that with coffee coffee stout maybe I don't know I guess. But that's yeah. that's the question is that you know it, there's the only criteria is that it has to keep you sharp. One has right. to be a beer, but the Tandy Shandies, one keeps you sharp, one's a beer. So, technically, it doesn't have to be a soda. It could just be any caffeinated beverage. That's true. We did say no energy drinks, but I think that's the that only is true. rule. Yeah, I, just because we record this at night and I'm not going to drink an energy drink at night. <laughs> Nor am I going to mix an energy drink with a beer. What is this, college? Right. Um, no, sir. I say no. Plus vodka so, and Red Bull has the lock on that one. Yeah, well, dude, when I was in college, it was all about Rockstar. Rockstar and Red uh, energy drink. <laughs> no, Rockstar energy drink and uh, and Jaeger. Oh, right. You're like, a Jaeger guy. I forgot about that. I'm not a Jaeger guy. I am not sure. a Jaeger guy. Says the guy I who pulled us into the bar off the street and made us do Jaeger bombs. <laughs> that is a PAX tradition, okay? That is a PAX tradition. I only drink Jaeger bombs at PAX, but it is, it's the needed shot in the arm to keep going uh, during the Penny Arcade Video Game Expo. Just in case you were, you the listener, in case you were worried about our nerd cred. Right. We we do attend conventions from time to time. We do play video games. Yes. Like Super Mario Brothers, for instance. Mm, so good in this episode. I love how they used Mario in this episode. Yeah, they really had a lot of it in there, too, because they've done it in yeah. the past where it's just been like a hint of the theme song. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they just go all out. And I wonder... They obviously yeah. had to have Nintendo's cooperation for that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, you know, they did Duck Hunt last year, or last week? Was yeah. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Uh, a couple of so weeks ago, I think. Maybe they just, do you think they just licensed? Remember there was a combo title of Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers? Sure, yeah. 
Maybe they just licensed that one game and they got a two for one. Maybe. Maybe next week we're going to get world-class track meet <laughs> or whatever it's called. <laughs> there was a three in one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, yeah, let's let's dive into the episode here a little bit. I mean, we it really starts off with a bang here with a $20 million valuation right. for Mutiny. I, I don't know about you, million. but... dollars. So... As a small business owner, if I ever get mm-hmm. an offer of $20 million, if there are any listeners out there who want to purchase yeah. Bald Move for $20 million, I'm in. <laughs> Sold. No questions. It's funny. This is a frequent topic on Lunch with Jim and Aaron. <laughs> so right. we have the number now. The it number is, is 20, $20 at, at most $20 million. I'm not saying it couldn't be less, but come on. But not definitely not more. Definitely not more than $20 million. No, no. It's not yeah. worth that. Uh, um, dude, that that's this is straight up fuck you money. Oh yeah, like especially in the eighties. Yeah, in nineteen eighty six, twenty million dollars. Right, like that's I'm 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 gonna buy a private island. <laughs> in, yeah, in nineteen eighty six. Sure. Um, and, I mean, houses were probably ninety percent still, or is that diluted? Hmm. I I I think it's probably diluted at this point, but still, I mean, this makes Gordon settlement look like chump change, right? And it's interesting to me because this whole thing made me really question, like, what is Cameron actually trying to do with Mutiny? Mm-hmm. Um, because on one hand, it's her baby, and it's, you know, it's her, it was born out of the that ratty house in Texas, mm-hmm. and it was built from the ground up by gamers for gamers, and it's Cameron's, you know, life's work really to this point. Um, but she, she, for somebody who is, you know, pursuing this as kind of a passion project, she certainly is trying to run it like a business that keeps on go- having the value go up and up and up. Sure. So there seems yeah. to be a weird dichotomy here with Cameron because she's like, I want to have a successful business, but I don't want it to be so successful that, you know. Once a business becomes successful enough, then you have to start talking about valuations, IPOs, uh, and potential buyouts. And she doesn't quite want to get it to that point. And at the same time, she seems to be driving the company there. So it's a little bit of an oxymoron for Cameron here. Yeah, that's true. I I do feel like an IPO is kind of Cameron's worst nightmare. Uh, I mean, talk about losing control. You you Mm -hmm. hand over your control to investors, then... Then you really got a problem, right? I mean, at least now she can say, "No, we're not doing this. I don't care about what you say. I'm doing it my way." Uh, yeah. But she IPOs, and that's over. It's completely over, and then she's in Joe's position, basically. Right. At that point, yeah, she's, she's got a board breathing down her neck, and yeah, an IPO is definitely not what's what's there for Cameron. No, I think she should just sell it and start something new. Although that's easy for me to say, having not built that company, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, but at this point, what does Cameron want to run? We keep on going back to the passion for Cameron. Cameron loves games, and she's not making games anymore. Mm-hmm. She's basically running a commerce website at this point. And I think that uh, Diane has a really good point here that once this valuation gets out there, other companies are going to start doing this model so that they could be purchased. So. They are community has a huge opportunity right now because they have the user base and they're first. Yeah. And that may not always be the case. So if they are thinking that hey, we might want to sell this company one day, 
This might be one of the best shots to do that. I mean, now you have a valuation, so now you can start shopping the company. Mm-hmm. You could probably get double that, I think. Probably. Depending on who but depending on, you know, what, what their actual commerce model is, which they basically invented PayPal. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh and then who's out there buying. I bet you they could double this and sell in the near term future. I don't think that's gonna happen because it doesn't breed much drama, but <laughs> it's interesting that now that we have this carrot kind of dangling out there for mutiny. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I I would like to see Cameron sell. I know she's not going to because, like you said, not much drama if she sells it and she goes off into the sunset with Tom. But uh, I, I think that might be the best thing for her at this point. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm, I'm completely on board with you, man. Like she would, she would easily get I don't know, easily get five to seven million dollars. Oh yeah, and. And like we said, you could basically do whatever you want in 1986 with five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't even know. I, I'm guessing like a, a high football salary at that point is probably like two hundred thousand dollars or something. <laughs> right? Like, this is a huge opportunity for her. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like she's starting to throw the money around a little bit. I mean, the TV does break in this episode, and then they buy that fancy new front projection TV. Uh huh. Which is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's real. It just does not feel like it belongs in that room. Have you ever seen one of those in real life? I've never seen one. Neither have I. I'm like, this is a crazy contraption that just seems like it's prone to break at any time. (laughs) Because it operates off of a mirror. Uh Uh-huh. Like, that's like, (laughs) it seems like such a fragile thing and it also completely defeats the purpose of a flat screen <laughs> right because it has like a huge base with a projector in it and you need like six feet of clearance uh in front of it in order to make it work yep. um but i think the fact that they break a tv and then they go out and they purchase this fancy new front projection uh tv is kind of telling uh that they have a little bit of money to throw around at this point sure yeah i, I guess Gordon's the one who bought that, right? I don't. Gordon doesn't have any money anymore. I mean, no. he's, he basically uh, cashed out his entire savings on the new server. Yeah, I guess so I, think, I assumed he was going to get some money back for that eventually, but I guess maybe not. I don't think so. I think he got a marriage back for that. <sighs> That's an expensive marriage, dude. <laughs> well, a million you know, bucks. Some things are worth the money. That's true, my friend. That's true, but this this marriage seems still on the rocks to me. Hmm. So I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't there. know. I feel like their marriage is at a comfortable place for both of them. Like I don't think that they're uncomfortable. Hmm. Um. I didn't. I wasn't getting any uncomfortable vibes. I think that they're kind of at the point where they're kind of just dealing with each other, and they're happy enough to stick around, and make it work. Okay. As long as. Nothing weird happens with Gordon in the future. Yeah, was there was there anything in this episode that made you think that they were that they were still drifting apart? No, it was it was really mostly the end of last episode, and mm-hmm. I mean, I guess a little bit. Donna was never around in the house this episode, um, other than to say, "Hey, give me that bag and drop it on his head." Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. They seem kind of distant, and while he's bonding with Cameron, uh, I guess that just highlights how distant they kind of are in the moment. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I really want to talk about Gordon and Cameron because I think that their dynamic in this episode is kind of weird, and I kind of love it. Okay, but well, let's um, do it. We'll get to that in a second. I want I want to keep talking a little bit more about this, just because the power creep of business is like really 
signified in this episode that you know we all know the story of Steve Jobs getting pushed out by the board of Apple mm-hmm. um and Apple almost tanked after he left the company yep um but it is it's this thing it's this power creep of business of like don't you know it's just be careful what you wish for type of thing because if you become successful enough then the people who are more successful than you even still will come in and kind of destroy everything for you it's, right so it's this it's this idea and it's especially interesting in the tech world where you have iconic figures like uh Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, uh Mark Zuckerberg, uh Elon Musk mm-hmm. where you almost have to build up a cult of personality around yourself in order to continually make yourself valuable to the company. Mm-hmm. And Joe's done that, but he's still getting pushed out, which I think is weird and a little premature, but this I feel like it's it's a theme that's running through this whole episode. It's kind of that power creep of business and how comfortable are you with becoming successful because that's really what people right. are wrestling with in this episode yeah yeah i'm with you yeah uh i i mean i thought i thought it was interesting cameron says i'm not chopping up my company into pieces so you could ring a bell on wall street so she's still got this idea that this is her company uh-huh and be damned what anybody else thinks of it and um i feel like it's getting old with people like you know she doesn't show up to work at the end of the episode because she's building a ham radio for the day right um, I do like the passive aggressive route she takes with Donna, though. Donna so deserves that. <laughs> like uh, I'm. Oh yeah, no, no. Okay, we'll we'll just bring Diana in here and uh, we'll see what she has to say and let Donna sweat for a while. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about the fact that Cameron fired Doug and Craig. Right. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, Brownie is out. That budding romance lasted all but five minutes. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was over last episode when she married Tom, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did have an awesome fan theory on the forums that uh, that somebody put out before this episode aired, and it was that instead of her marrying Tom, perhaps she got the wedding ring from her dad's estate or something. And I, I really like that take, but unfortunately, it was yeah, it was destroyed when this episode aired. Yep, that was from Cripson in Sweden. Hmm. Go Swedes. So, um, yeah, so Cameron's really taking the reins here. She fired uh, Doug and Craig. Um, she's understands evaluation, but at the same time, I don't think she's going to sell, even though you and I both agree that she should. Right. Um, but I think that this, this theme of kind of this power creep is going to keep resonating throughout the season. I'm interested to see where it goes. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Cameron... Uh, going to Joe's house, like to stay on the camera train. Oh here. man, that was interesting. I feel like we have to pre we have to preface this by talking about Cam and Gordon. Okay, sure. Because that it's so much of that interaction between Joe and Cameron has to do with Cameron's interaction with Gordon in this episode. Yeah. So what? What do you think changed? Was it just Mario or? <laughs> What's your kind of take on this dynamic between Cameron and jo- and Gordon in this episode? Because they have never been friendly. They've never been friendly. The entire show. Uh, back when they were both at Cardiff Electric, they were like mortal enemies. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gordon created the the Sonoris virus 
that brought down mutiny. Remember that night when <laughs> she's screaming at him in the middle of the street. Uh-huh. And even at mutiny, he's like the the twenty the twenty eighth wheel who sits out on these board meetings and just second guesses everything that she says. And you know how much Cameron likes criticism. Mm-hmm. So this episode is so strange because this is really the first time that Gordon and Cameron get along and they get along swimmingly. So what's your what's your take on that? Uh, I feel like it started at the end of last episode where Cameron, you know, came to Gordon for some advice. Um, hmm. I feel like there was some off-screen bonding maybe where, you know, Gordon had a talk with Cameron uh, about mm-hmm. how how he knew he was losing his company, all that kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I, I feel like it happened off-screen, honestly. Hmm. And, and it's okay because they come back in showing them, you know, playing these video games together. And they don't just jump right into... Uh, hey, by the way, I have brain problems and right. uh, I'm probably dying. And oh, by the way, I married Tom, like that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, they they preface it with some moments of them actually hanging out, having a good time together. Yeah, and I think that I th- I really do think that Cameron appreciates vulnerability sure. because it's she continually has a wall up, right? Uh, and she's never. She never shows, you know, her soft belly. It's it's always, uh, you know, the hairs are up on the back of the neck. She's ready to strike at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Gordon confides in her and tells her about the CTE, and she says, hey, who else knows about this? Well, Donna knows about it. And then there's a great piece of directing in this episode when Gordon delivers that line. He says, Donna knows about it. Mm-hmm. And then he hands her the controller. He never says, and you're the only other one who knows. He just hands her the controller. Yeah, I like that. And by doing that, it's such an act of faith and an act of trust for Cameron that she feels free to confide in Gordon and tell him. And he's the only person who knows the secret that her and and Tom are actually married, Mm -hmm. uh, other than Tom's mom. So I do think there's a bonding moment there. I think that... Part of Cameron's character is that she lost her father in Vietnam at a young age. That's why she calls herself Cameron, because that's his name. Her name is like Claire or something. Something like that. In real life. Yeah. Um, so she's always kind of carries around this baggage of losing her father at a young age. And I think that there might have also been some kind of connection of learning that Gordon has this brain disease and that he may not he doesn't have a guaranteed future for his children either. Yeah. So I think that there's kind of a flip side of that as well in Cameron's, you know, kind of obsession with her dad and then Gordon being in his vulnerable state being a father. Yeah. Yeah. That so. that's uh good analysis. I like that. Yeah. So that brings us to this scene where Joe and Cameron get together and I Fucking love these scenes with Joe and Cameron get together. Yeah. You never quite know what's going to happen, right? You never do. And they have so much history Mm -hmm. and so much baggage and so much tension, crazy tension between these two people. Um, And their interaction was really freaking good. Uh you know, Cameron goes to Joe and says, you need to give Gordon credit. And I thought this was really interesting because I was like, why did she go to Joe's apartment to tell him this? Mm-hmm. Um, why does she feel like this is so important that that 
Joe gives Gordon credit after spending like one day with Gordon and bonding with him. After he pile drives a Zenith. Uh, yeah. I, so I think she she obviously feels bad for Gordon, right? Um, she, mm-hmm. she feels bad mm-hmm. that he's essentially been railroaded into providing for their company. Now, I, I don't know if she's trying to say, well, he's dying and his kids are going to need something. So let's let's try and get this settlement to happen. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, Donna is still in the picture, right? Donna is going to be the breadwinner for this household for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know that like the family necessarily needs it, but I, I think she rightly susses out that Gordon himself needs it. Not not from a financial perspective, but like a personal uh, fulfillment perspective, right? He needs yeah. credit for his work because it's something that Joe has constantly we've we've talked about this has constantly been doing to Gordon is taking mm-hmm. all the credit and Gordon is just fed up with it. Absolutely. And they do have that small conversation, Cameron and Gordon, uh, where they talk about where Gordon's like, you know, I built a computer that nobody's going to remember. And I wrote a piece of code that somebody stole. And basically my time is passed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything great for the rest of my life. Oh, by the way, and, I'm dying. And, and by the way, I'm dying. And by the way, that's been Gordon's kind of thing this whole season. He started off being that um, discontented dude in the basement blowing um, blowing dust off of the servers. And once he had that kind of moment of acceptance, which came when he went to the bullpen and started smoking weed with the dudes, uh-huh. um, he just kind of chilled out. And he, was, and he kind of accepted his lot in life that maybe he's not there for greater things. And I think him confiding that in Cameron really instilled in her that, like, hey, I've been able to pursue my dreams. And she's got a lot of good breaks along the way mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, you know, Gordon Gordon deserves the opportunity as well. I, 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 I like that she kind of made that turn. But I do think that she also went to Joe's apartment so that she could – clandestinely tell him that she was married and oh, it moved yeah. on. I mean, I, you look at the scene where, you know, she puts on the ring and then she goes out to the hall and opens up the door to tell Gordon, yeah. hey, hey, buddy, I'm going out. I'm going out. Oh, notice yeah. anything different? Look at my hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. she's her hand is lingering there in the shot and you can clearly see the ring and she's like wanting him to notice. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she, I guess she just wants people to know at this point, right? At, at least the people that she's, I, I don't want to say close with, but has ties to. Because uh, yeah, Gordon I is think... certainly one. And then Joe, regardless of, you know, what the nature of their relationship is, they are kind of linked. Yeah, I mean, they they are kind of intrinsically linked. That was kind of like the crux of the drama early in the um, series. Mm-hmm was the interactions between Joe and Cameron. In some ways, they've been painted as soulmates, which is why I think it's interesting to see them interact now when they're so far apart from one another. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they're further apart now than they even were in season two uh, because Joe was still popping by the house in his rolled-up sleeve suit and, you know, trying to uh, get Mutiny onto Westnet and all this stuff. There was so much more interaction um, even though they, they still hated each other, and especially Cameron hated him so much uh, in season two. <laughs> yeah. In season three, though, they're just 
they're just kind of strangers in the night. They're just passing each other. They've done it twice. Now they did it once at the school, and then they're doing it in this episode when Cameron goes to Joe's apartment. Yeah. But I do like this idea that they're kind of cosmic soulmates, but they can't get over all of the shitty stuff that's happened. Sure. Um, Because I I do feel like it goes both ways. I think that Joe is a crazy, manipulative, abusive, weirdo asshole. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Cameron's also very, you know, she's very self-centered in a lot of ways and she can't take criticism and the whole reason why they broke up in the first place is because Joe removed her OS from the giant so that they could speed up the machine and actually make it competitive. Right. She didn't want to do that. So she walked out the door and that was the end of the relationship. Um, so I like to see them together. I like their dynamic together. Yeah. And anytime that they're together now, it seems like such a little special treat because it really does call back to the crux of the, all the drama early in the series. So it's kind of a treat to the people who's, who've watched the whole thing. Uh, what do you think Cam is gonna is going to imagine the impetus for Joe giving the credit to Gordon is? Do you think she's hmm. going to take some credit herself for getting Gordon the like not publicly, I'm not saying like, oh, she's gonna lord it over Gordon, but like right. is she gonna be a little satisfied that she got Joe to do something, even though it wasn't actually her that caused it? Well, it's not her that caused it, and we do know that this is Joe getting backed into a corner and Right. And doing Joe McMillan shit. Yeah. He's pulling the Joe McMillan claws right now. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second, because I don't know if this qualifies or not. This is the crazy thing. Sure. Um but I do think what this does do is it opens the door now for a uh, for a, a broader dialogue between Cameron and Joe, right. which throws a big wrench in the Cameron is now married to Tom thing. Because <laughs> you have to remember, Cameron and Tom and Joe and his ex-wife, I can't remember what her name is, mm-hmm. kind of the reason why they all split up was because, uh, well, definitely the reason why Joe... Uh, why Joe's wife left him is because she could see that he was still in love with Cameron. Right. That was like the reason that she gave. Uh, and I think that Cameron had a similar thing with Joe. They're like they have this kind of intrinsic connection to one another. So now that Tom is going to be moving to the Valley <laughs> and this door has been opened now between Joe and Cameron, perhaps some trust is starting to get built back again between the two. Right. And, and I, that, I can see the wheels turning in Joe's head. Joe yeah. understands all of this. Mm-hmm. This is just a master stroke on Joe's part. And I, we will talk about it more once we get to his storyline. But I, I can't believe how good the ending of this episode is. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah. And that's the whole thing about it is that um, it, 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 everything was good. Like, I love True. the scene where Donna hallucinates. I love the scene where Joe and just goes and talks or Cameron just goes and talks to Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the scene. And then we just keep getting good, good and good and good and good stuff with this episode. That's why it was so strong to me. And it actually makes me excited about the, the third season in a way that I wasn't excited about it last week. Right. So, um, oh yeah. Not, not to mention Boz is having an okay time. Let's talk about Boz real quick. Okay, sure. He, so Boz, why he bangs? Boz bangs. Boz bangs, man. And then Boz screws it all up. Yeah. Yeah, why? What's going through Boz's head? I don't understand Boz. I don't know, man. I feel like 
Was it? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Did he have a little performance anxiety? Is that what happened? Like he was disappointed in himself and decided. I don't think so. Although I did. That did cross my mind. Okay. Because this is pre blue pill. Right. And Boz is not a spry young Texan. <laughs> sure. You know? He drinks a lot. He's. He drinks a lot. He we know that he had had two fingers of the brown stuff, which he should never say. Oh, God. It's not a good saying. You're right. Um, don't ever say that. Uh, so, you know, maybe, but uh, I, from all indications, things went well with Boz. I thought so too. So what the hell? Why doesn't he go back to Diane's house? I don't know. It's just such a shitty thing to do to a person. Yeah. It's like, this is like uh, junior high shit. The only thing that ca- crossed my mind is that, um, and I don't even know why I still think this, because they don't really hint at it very much, but I do think that it's been established that um, that Boz still loves his wife, and he really misses like being the family man. And maybe he's just like not into the idea of going out and trying to pursue a new relationship, because... The one relationship that really defined his life, he still talks about it. Um, he still thinks about his family in a lot of ways. His family is something that's constantly on his mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just at this point in his life beaten down to the to the point where he's like, I don't really want to get into a relationship. Um, yeah, but be. at the same time, the sparks have been flying between these two. Oh, definitely. I mean that yeah. they. They're both really charming in the scene where they go to the bar. Um, And, you know, so I think if it's the family thing, you're probably right about that, but it seems to be fading pretty far into the rearview mirror at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, I I wish there was some indication how he felt about his wife, not just his son and and his son's new family, but, like... Yeah. it, It just... It's really on the back burner if that's what they're going for. And I almost so much that I don't, I don't even see it being in the equation. Exactly. I mean, Boz came to California. That was a conscious choice. He was working for the same company as his son in Texas. He was the bell of the ball at that company. He had every executive laughing and hooting and hollering mm-hmm. in their, uh, you know, executive drinking sessions. Um, and, he had a bright future at that company. He left that company to fly San Francisco and help run mutiny. And making that decision does seem like he's cutting ties to the past. So let let me ask um, you, do you think maybe there's a little bit of, uh, guilt wrapped up in this for getting involved with someone who has some kind of control over the company? Like, do you think he's worried about, hmm how this relationship might impact mutiny. I don't know. I know that, well, that's a good point because Cameron would be fucking pissed. I imagine. Yeah. Cameron would be pissed. I think Donna would probably be pissed. I don't know if Donna would be pissed or not, but Cameron would definitely be pissed. Um, cause we all know Cameron has trust issues and mm-hmm. I feel like Cameron sees Donna as an advisor, but I'm not sure she fully trusts Donna. And then if if Boz is in bed with Donna, then Boz could potentially be manipulating either Cameron Whoa, or Boz in bed with Donna. Oh, Donna! I meant Diane. Okay. Their names are way too. Their names are way too. They're similar. similar. Yeah. 
close, but uh, but yeah, I I do like that take because Cameron would be pissed. Okay. So that makes that makes a little bit more sense, even than the family stuff. We've solved the riddle. Yeah, you know, I want to see this keep going because I do like the personal growth that Boz has gone through that he's exhibiting. I mean, we've gone from, oh, I got a cousin, to <laughs> Joe or to Boz like attending a drag show in San Francisco. Yeah. So, you know, he's going through personal growth and he's you know broadening his horizons. <laughs> what they don't tell you and... is when he walked into that, he said, "Oh, I got a cousin." <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's maybe he's just gonna open a gay bar in san francisco called i got a cousin <laughs> john bosworth's i got a cousin lounge anyway wow. uh <laughs> um yeah i i was happy for boz in this episode until he fucked it all up yeah because i i don't like boz getting shit on i like boz uh, going through personal growth and uh, having some light at the end of the tunnel and being a being the cool Texan, I like it. It's because you like Boz. You gotta like Boz, man. I love I love what they've done with the character because at the beginning of the show he was like the heel, and now he's the guy that everybody loves. And so yeah. you gotta love that kind of character development in a in a person. He almost reminds me of like Pete from um, Bad Men. <laughs> Okay. Like, Pete is the worst yeah. human being of all time mm-hmm. at the beginning of that show. Deplorable human being. And yet at the end, you're like, ah, oh, Pete, you're so goofy. Yeah. Such a goofball. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, Mad Men reference for people who've watched the entire series. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to Joe. Let's get to NSFNet. Okay. So, Joe sets up NSFNet. Uh, spent six million dollars on a computer for it. Classic Server, Joe. I don't know what it is. But it's McMillan Utilities. Like this is his company, right? Um, and then all but makes the deal for NSFNet with his old buddy from IBM, mm-hmm. whose name I believe was Mitch. Mitch something yeah. like Mitch Cake or something like that. Anyway, uh. And then he gets shot down by your bro, by your boy. Yeah, Matthew Lillard comes in there. Matthew and, Lillard. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, this is what I love. I love Joe getting backed into a corner. And I love, I really like the scene where uh, where Lillard comes in and like just lays down the law for Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is where Joe, th- this is where Joe is interesting. Um, I really like it when Joe needs to scheme his way out of things. Oh, me too. What end? What ends do you see for Joe's tactic here of surrendering <laughs> to, to to Gordon, surrendering uh, his power to Gordon? I so I I think this is a brilliant move because mm-hmm. this this is okay. There are a couple of things in this episode that are classic Joe. Uh, okay. In, in my mind, so classic Joe when yeah. he doesn't have all the power, but he wants to act like he does, um, he'll go and do something without permission, and he he will yep. ask for forgiveness later, right? Or or pretend yep. that he can just sell it and everything will be fine and no problem. Backfires on him in <laughs> or, this episode. Yeah, or he pays you in the corner, and at that point you can't get out of it, so you just have to keep. Going. <laughs> and then you like go to prison, gave, right? <laughs> yeah, like when he set the BIOS code to IBM, like that was that scenario, like. You either yeah. either Cardiff Electric folds or you're working on a computer now. Right. 
the other classic yeah. Joe is the Joe clause, right? The Joe McMillan clause, where uh-huh. when things don't go his way and he gets bummed, he just blows shit mm-hmm. up. And that's exactly yep. what he's doing here. He's like, fine, if I can't have McMillan utility, nobody can. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to give it to Gordon. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to get back at the guys who fired me for my own company, essentially. And yep. I'm going to get Cameron to think I did this partially because of her. I, I think it's a brilliant yeah, it's, move. It's a super brilliant move. I love it because it's not, um, you know, putting the hose in the server room like he did at IBM. It's not burning down the truck of computers like he did at Cardiff. Uh-huh. It's not crashing Westnet like he did uh at the old company or sort of did or maybe had nothing to do with but kind of was blamed for it uh <laughs> still not 100 percent clear on that but um but it is it's the it's 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 the nuclear option that he has without destroying hardware basically pretty much yeah <laughs> which is incredible and awesome and i really love there's some brilliant directing in this episode um I don't have the director in front of me, but I'll pull it uh, pull it by the end of the show because there was some brilliant stuff. Like we said earlier with Gordon handing the controller to uh, to Cameron to say, hey, you're the only person who knows about my brain disorder. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And then in this final scene, when Matthew Lurd comes in and lays down the law for Joe, we go to the CRT monitor and then – it goes into the deposition like directly, which yeah. I thought was so cool um, and a really awesome piece of directing because you you could see that Joe gets from point A to point B. We don't have to sit there and, and see him scheme about it, but we can understand that these two things are intrinsically connected to one another. Right. Uh, and yeah, I am so excited to see where this goes. Like this has such an amazing jumping off point. Um, I also really liked... Uh, we we already talked about Joe and Cameron getting together, but I love during that scene when he is kind of cynical about her love for Tom mm-hmm. and tries to say, hey, yeah, you're happy and you account that happiness to the person who's closest to you and then you get married. I've been there. Right. And Cameron kind of throwing that back in his face. And I feel like that might also have spurred some sense of authenticity in Joe uh, to say, hey... I can make this change as well. So that's what I like about Joe is that you're right. He's a scheming guy and he could say, Hey, this fucks over the company. It gets around the Joe McMillan clause. It gets me back in good graces with Cameron possibly, but possibly even Gordon at the same time. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a humanity behind it. And Uh maybe that's Joe just manipulating the humanity of the situation. (laughs) Probably is actually, but I like that. I just like the games that he plays. This is the Joe McMillan that I love, and it's the Joe McMillan that I've been asking for in every episode up till now. So, yeah, game on for Joe, which I'm super excited about. How do you think Ryan's going to take this news? Uh, Ryan's out the door. I mean, Ryan was yeah. <laughs> was Joe's pet. He's not going to be happy about it. Uh, I I don't know where either of them go next, frankly, because, like you said earlier, I mean, Joe has. <laughs> Joe has burnt so many bridges at this point, and he's burnt all right. of his like genius cred. I guess. Yep. Um, I I don't. Aside from teaming up with like a Gordon or a Cameron, like I don't know where he goes in the job market. I don't think he's. I I honestly think he's 
going to be fine in the job market. He's he's such an iconic figure right now in the Valley. I'm sure that somebody else will swoop him up. I think that there's a move here where if he's able to give his shows, shares to Gordon mm-hmm. and that absolves him from the responsibility, he could then be fired possibly by Gordon, which <laughs> alleviates him from the non-compete clause, which means that he can go and start the internet. Right. Yeah, I suppose um, so. He could take Ryan and just start it up again. Well, and that's the one thing I really like. You know, we've talked about the Forrest Gump thing in this show mm-hmm. where they just happen to back into every technological advancement from the 1980s, whether it's laptop computing or online communities or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of joke about it because at this point it's almost become a little bit absurd how intrinsically these people are tied to things like PayPal or what have mm-hmm. you. Um, but it works so well in this episode. Because Joe's pitching this to the board, and he's saying, hey, guys, this this is a gutsy futures bet, but it's a sure bet. And everybody in the audience knows, yeah, hell right, it's a sure <laughs> bet. Everybody knows that, yes, the internet is going to work, and it's going to be amazing and big, and, and obviously, we all know where the internet goes. Mm-hmm. So that works in the show's favor. And yeah, he's vetting the internet, but it, allow- it allows it to be a plot device where you get to see the board as a bunch of idiots because they can't see the future that Joe can. Right. Um, that's using this Forrest Gump thing effectively as opposed to just throwing it in to keep you interested in the show. Uh-huh. So um, I'm really excited to see where this whole thing goes with Joe. Uh, let, let me ask you one thing. I'm excited. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you one thing about Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, there's the last few episodes, there's been a lot of stuff about like homosexuals and, and the the scene there in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And, and Ryan, you know, in this episode, he gets all decked out in this suit and he's got a haircut and he's looking fresh faced. And this guy, uh, Mitch, I think is his name, the investor mm-hmm. at, at IBM. Um, he he comes in and he's like, oh, I like the cut of that suit. And Ryan kind of has a look on his face that I, I don't know if it's classic Ryan or if he's just trying to navigate the waters of what he's not sure is him being hit on or not. I don't. Well, do you, so is the look weird? It, the or look what? is weird. Yeah, he's he's like, mm, okay. what did that mean? Sort of look. Huh. I thought he was like taking pride in it. Maybe. Maybe he's just not because... used to looking good, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, nobody's ever complimented Ryan on his looks or his clothes. That is true. So having some... You could see that he's kind of stepping up. And, you know, Joe says, hey, this guy's a sharp dresser. So mm-hmm. Ryan goes out and gets a tailored suit. Uh, and he's also got, like, the you know the 80s Miami Vice 5 o'clock shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I thought that it was kind of a cool moment. Uh, not only that moment, but then there's the moment where they, you know, get, have the sale go through... Yeah. Uh, Joe gets the phone call and Ryan has that moment where he says, Hey, we need to celebrate. Cause now everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, mimicking exactly what Joe said at the beginning of the show when they were setting up the servers. So I don't know. I like what Ryan's, I like, I like where Ryan's going as a character in this one. Um, I just feel like everybody had a big seismic change 
in them in this episode. And I feel like that's exactly what you want in a show. You want the characters to change and see noticeable change over time. That's what gets you invested in them. And that's what gets, gets you invested in the story. And mm-hmm. I like where Ryan's going, I think. Okay. I, I didn't pick up any of those vibes, but... Um, I feel like he's still trying to figure out how to process Joe's sexuality. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's an interesting... That's an interesting thing in itself, sure. right? Yeah. Because I, I guess I'm just hoping idea... the show will do a little bit more with that than just say, "Hey, yeah. Joe might have AIDS." Nope, Joe doesn't have AIDS. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a load of bullshit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I think I'm still I'm still holding out hope. That sounds awful. That Joe has AIDS. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds terrible. Sounds really bad. But but you know what? I, see last episode. Just, just <laughs> listen to me expound on that a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting. I think that's an interesting thing to, uh, touch on. And they have been kind of touching on it a few times in the show. Mm-hmm. Like when Joe blows up the, uh, blows up the contract with, uh, can't remember what the company was. Yeah. But, uh, because the, um, executive was, uh, you know, saying homophobic things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it gets to an interesting point here because Ryan doesn't need to process the sexuality of Joe. Because you don't have to really process the sexuality of sexualities of other people. That's kind of their thing. Sure. Uh, but it's but it's a it's a thing that a lot of people have trouble with. Right. Of like coming to grips with somebody else's sexuality, even though it's really none of their business. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And that you know what, like it doesn't affect you in any way. So why do you even care? Mm-hmm. But I do think it's interesting the way that it has been represented in the show because the eighties were a very interesting time especially uh for the lgbt community with the rise of the aids epidemic and really pushing that community to the forefront in a national news sort of way and you could see um you know for good and bad uh that exposure over time um has kind of gotten us to the progressive place that we've gotten today right uh that sounds like i'm saying aids was a good thing i'm not saying that at all uh, but what I am saying is it, that it this, changed things. I feel like a na- it changed things in a national conversation started, right? Right. Uh, which leads to the progressivism that we see today. I I feel like sure, sure. That you know this is the nascent phases of that movement. So anyway, it's an interesting take. There's one more character we haven't talked about. Oh yeah, Donna. Donna's gooming. <laughs> she sure is. Donna's. The drugs in this show are pretty funny. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying the the drug scenes. This is the count that I have so far. I have shrooms, uh, cocaine, uh-huh. ecstasy. We had the ecstasy scene with Joe and his wife last season, uh-huh. uh, and then of course weed. Weed has shown up in numerous ways, right? But drug use on this show is kind of uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, of course, alcohol as well. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention that. Uh, but we're talking about San Francisco, right? Uh, right. Not necessarily the most tight laced town, so mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense that we would see a lot of drugs going around. Yeah, uh, especially in these high power well, communities. I, I really, I, I really like. Uh, I don't know. I just enjoy when Donna gets a little loose and silly, and she does that a few times this season already. <laughs> Well, I love what's one of my favorite things of I believe it was last season. It might have been season one even. There's a 
uh, scene where she's like at home. I think it's it's it was before Cameron brought her into mutiny. So it was like after she had quit Texas Instruments and she was, mm-hmm. and it was before Cameron hired her, uh, where she's at home and she finds a bag of weed and she smokes it and then Gordon comes home and he's like none the wiser that she's completely blazed. <laughs> But we, the audience, know because she keeps on just scarfing down Oreos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and you're completely right. I love these seeds where Donna gets a little goofy. Yeah. Because Donna's a cool person. And um, and I love what's exposed in this scene. You know, hallucination scenes, take them or leave them. I think that they are a bit of a convenient storytelling device. Um, but it, it, But they haven't been used yet in this show, which I think is good mm-hmm. uh there was something that was used in Mad Men all the time right uh don draper was seeing people who weren't there all the time um but we get to have this like conversation where like cam is the genius donna's the mom and that's really what donna is is she is the mom in so many ways in her life that it overshadows the coolness of her as a person and so it's really great to see her getting these opportunities where she can just let loose and have some fun yeah uh, and have some realizations and revelations along with it. And I, I really think you're right about Donna just being generally a cool person um, who has kind of had a lot of responsibility thrust on her um, mm-hmm. and is unable to express that stuff very often. So when you do see glimpses into who like Donna as a person is, of you know, aside from her job, aside from her kids and the responsibility she has there, just mm-hmm. who Donna is at the core, I... I really think she's a lot of fun. She is. She's super fun, man. And like, she likes to have fun and she wants to be identified as something more than a mom. Right. And unfortunately she's fallen into this where she is at this company and you could see, because we see this conversation through her own words, that she's a mom when she's at home and she's a mom when she's at work and Mm -hmm. she doesn't, she's not allowed to be Donna. She has to fill this role. Um, so you're totally right. I love to see Donna let loose a little bit. Um, and I was a little afraid that they were going to try to pursue like an, another affair with like her and the long haired kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I thought that when I see this, when I saw the sneaker stand next to her in the grass, I was like, oh, really? because you know it was like it was like diane's daughter and her boyfriend and then there was an extra dude who was there and then donna was there and i was like are they really gonna do this um but of course they didn't Uh, that would have been a portrayal to the character i think does donna have a million dollars could she buy her marriage back (laughs) uh she would have a million dollars if they sold mutiny oh that's true yeah (laughs) more than a million probably then Maybe Gordon can go start a gaming company. <laughs> right, a laser tag uh, franchise. <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, he's getting really into Nintendo. I yeah, mean, at this true. point, he's presumably going to back into a bunch of money once again. So, yeah. And potentially way more money than he had before. So, uh, God, I'm so excited to see what happens <laughs> uh, with Joe and Gordon. Real, real quick question about Donna. What? Mm-hmm. So, so she has this heart to heart with an imaginary Cameron, right? What, what good is this imaginary forgiveness for her? Does it, does it enlighten oh. her as to her own perspective, or? Mm-hmm. 
what is going to come of this when she goes back to the real world? I feel like this was very cathartic for her. These are the type of revelations that you hear about people having on hallucinogenic drugs. I think that this is Donna coming to grips with her place in the company, Mm -hmm. but also coming to grips with her worth in the company because Cameron is so overbearing that, uh, you know, she doesn't, she she can really overshadow you as a person. I feel like Donna's feeling really hopeless and worthless in this episode since Cameron went over her and fired uh, the two dudes, Blondie and Browdy, Doug and Craig, yeah. and um, and you know uh, Cameron knows that Donna lied, and Cameron uh, you know paints Donna into a corner in the meeting with Diane. Where Donna has to be like, yeah, well, we didn't we didn't think they were valuable anymore. She has to kind of bite her tongue about what Cameron did. So she's feeling powerless at this point. And I feel like this is the cathartic moment where she's like, you know what? This company would not be where it would where it would be if I wasn't here. Yeah. And I'm more than just the mom. And I feel like that's enough. I feel like she doesn't have to confront Cameron. Although she did go looking for her like immediately when she got back. She wanted uh-huh. to have a conversation with Cameron. Um, but I feel like there's a lot more, she, she gained a sense of, of self-worth that she didn't have when she embarked on the Sonoma vineyard. So maybe she'll stop lying now. Maybe we can have just an honest relationship. Yeah. Just, just don't, I want to, I want to call out to your the whole, coworkers. The, the whole Clark family, the whole Clark yeah. family is just packed full of liars. I mean, Gordon, he, mm-hmm. in this episode, he blames the broken TV on Cameron. That we was know weird that's not to me. true. That now, was super I, weird to me. I don't know if that's Cameron covering. And I I know for a fact that there is no way Joni had only one Capri Sun. <laughs> There's <laughs> no Joey. that's her fourth Capri Sun. Oh God. Well, she, well she's learning it from the best. I know. She's learning it from the best. I do think that maybe Gordon uh the cover up for Gordon on the TV was to spare Donna worry that he had another episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, she, I'm with you. She tends to get pretty worked up about that stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm excited, dude. And then we uh, we would be remiss not to talk about the ham radio. Oh yeah. I feel like I feel like this theory is still alive that the ham radio is not plugged in. I think it's more alive than ever because it wasn't in fact plugged in when he went to it next. I know that was so weird and. Hmm. I'm interested. I mean, they are opening the door to hallucinogenic conversations, so. Right. Uh, so we are excited about that. Uh, <laughs> good episode, dude. Yep. Really good episode. And I'm super excited. There's four episodes left in this season. And I'm stoked to see where this thing goes. Because they have set it up. Um, yep. And maybe, um, maybe they didn't even need to have last episode. Didn't need to have what? Last episode. I think we could chalk uh, it up to mid-season lull. Yeah. At this point. I'm with you. I'm excited for episode seven. Me too. Oh, we had a little bit of feedback. We do. You want me to go to email? Yeah. We'll just answer. We had one email about uh, prior seasons, I believe. Yeah. So Steph writes in and says, Mm -hmm. uh, can't believe it's taken me this long to watch Halt and Catch Fire. When I heard that you were doing a show on it, I needed to check it out. It's great. But I started with the third season. Do you think I should go back to season one and try to catch up? Or if I'm already loving season three, even though I have no backstory, should I just go and watch seasons one and two later and treat them as prequels? 
Um, I would watch the end of season three and then go back. I, mean, okay. I don't think that there's a need to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Mad Men in a weird order. I think I like watched season four first, and then I watched season <laughs> one, two, one and two. Then I watched season five. Then I watched season three or something like that. Wow. Um, and I got a lot of ad- I got a lot out of that show. Um, you don't get some of the reveals that you would like, like when they reveal that she's top meeting with Tom at the diner, like that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And you don't get that if you haven't seen the prior seasons, but I will say that as much as I like season three and we still have four episodes to, to go forward and have strong four episodes, season one and season two, I like both of them better so far than season three. So you definitely should watch seasons one and two. Um, but you might as well wait to the end of the season. I don't think that there's a need to do it right now. Yeah, I I could get behind that. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, what what's kind of your take on this season compared to the prior seasons? Uh, I'm I'm pretty thoroughly aside from last episode. I pretty thoroughly enjoy this season. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if it's like necessarily better than last season, but it's probably a recency bias mm-hmm. where. I'm I'm seeing it now, and I'm in the moment, and I'm having fun with it, uh, and so it, it seems like it's better than the others. But I would say it's comparable to season two as far as how good, good it is. Yeah, I mean, there seems to be a general consensus that season two is better than season one. Yeah, I am not in that camp. I oh. think season one of Halt and Catch Fire is amazing, huh. and it's still my favorite season. Okay, hmm. like, interesting. I l- I love when they go to Comdex. I love the whole Cardiff thing. I love when Joe is just Joeing it so hard. Uh-huh. Joe is Joeing so hard in season one. <laughs> the hardest uh, he's I ever lo- Joed. I love bearded, bearded Gordon. Uh huh. Um, with his comb over haircut and his giant glasses. Before he get before he comes cool, Gordon with money. He's just the dorky dude. He's the mm-hmm. Waz character. I just love season one so. Um, and then I want to just quickly mention uh, on the forums, first of all, thanks to Keegan Cobra for starting the forum uh, for this episode. But if you go to the forums and go to the Halton Catch Fire link over on the right-hand side, go to the forum for this episode, 306, and she was. I just want to call out this meme that Red Lancer put up. Uh, it's basically... <laughs> He's he's calling out how uh, Joe and Ryan just kind of put a bunch of strings on a board, and that's the next big thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's got this awesome meme. The words on the meme are, here's what I came up with, but I have no idea what it means. Joe's saying, seems reasonable. Just pull off some more string, and we'll have it. And then there's this board behind him, which is just awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I'm got looking Ye- at it, yeah. Yahoo, Wikipedia, uh, uh, Amazon, and then, of course, baldmove.com. Oh yeah, so it's a good meme. If you're into the show and you're into Bald Move, I'm sure you'll like it. So go to the forums and check that out. Also, while you're at the forums, um, go there for next week's episode. We will have a forum posted for episode 307. Mm-hmm. And as always, you could send your emails to mutiny at baldmove.com and uh, just throwing this out there. We are out of officially out of fan submitted tandy shandy recipes so you can also go to the forums and go to the tandy shandy mega thread under the halt and catch fire category and give us some more tandy shandy uh, recipes or else we're gonna have to start concocting our own yeah you never know where that could go could end up with dr pepper oh god <laughs> i just turned into will arnett anyway 
let's uh, go ahead and end this episode. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so All much right. for listening. We yeah. will see you next week. Yep. Until then, I'm Eric. And I'm Jim. Log out.